On the night of his birth, the angel said to them, said to the shepherds who had gathered, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. See, the thought at that time was it would be joy for some of the people. It would be joy for the rich. It would be joy for those in power. It would be joy for the religious leaders. But that night, everything got flipped upside down, and the angels said to the shepherds, the least likely people to get the Christmas story first were the shepherds. I bring good news of great joy for all the people, joy, that gladness of heart. We live in a world, it is hard to find joy. Stress takes joy. Fatigue takes joy. A bad economy can rob joy. The unemployment chain can rob joy. The market up and down can rob joy. Dansby going to the Cubs can rob joy. I am very irritated about this, not at Dansby. But anyways, it's so. But all those things, there's no joy in Mudville today. It, it's one of those things that we live in such a up and down world. How do we find joy? Joy that's not based on news, joy that's not based on, on Braves moves or lack of moves. How do we keep, you're like, what does that have to do with Christmas? Nothing, but I'm speaking. But anyway, so joy, how in the world do we find it? How in the world do we keep it? And how in the world do we settle in with it where it can live in us and not be influ influenced by what's around us. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to check your Bibles. Turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter two. It's where we've been camping out for the last three weeks, Matthew chapter two. You've got Luke's version of the story. It's awesome. You got Matthew's take and he's sort of a different writing style, different genealogy that Matthew goes through. But the story of Christmas is one we've all got to do something with. And these wise men, so we know, we, we learned the other week, these are magi, these are young men that were the brightest, the best, they were put in the school, basically a thought that they were trained in, that they grew up in, that they learned in, that they grew in, and Daniel Right, Way back in the Old Testament, Daniel was made chief of the wise men by Nebuchadnezzar. We know Daniel was a Hebrew that was uh, in exile, basically. He had been taken in captivity over by the Babylonians. And so Daniel's over there, and he trains them. And these guys have learned the word. They've learned about Old Testament prophecy and all of these things. So these wise men knew what they were looking for, and they found it. But I'm going to tell you something. They knew something we need to know. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? Matthew chapter two, hopefully you've got it in your physical Bible, or if you don't, you've got it in the app, North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store is the easiest way to follow along, and it'll be up on the screens. Matthew writes it like this in Matthew two. We're gonna pick up in verse nine. After this interview, remember they, the, the, they showed up after a long travel, long journey, and said, we follow the star, we, uh, we, we know a king has been born. 
Herod, the king, we'll talk about him shortly, asked the religious leaders of the day, where does it say a child's going to be born? And they said Bethlehem because they knew and they just didn't go. But after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east, it guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. Time out real quick. So I know our nativities have the wise men kneeling at the manger. That's not exactly how it happened. Jesus is a little older now. He could be months to up to two years old by this point. All right, just to give you a little chronology of the story. But they're still in this region. They're still in this area. And the star stopped over the place where the child was. And this is really interesting. It goes back to what the angels had said. And when they saw the star, they were filled with what? Interesting. They come a long ways. And they found who they were looking for. The star stops. They know what the star means. They knew that there was a Messiah. They knew that there was a new king that was taking reign. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary. Now, they remember, Jesus could be up in months to up to two years old, but he's still a child. And these wise men, the magi, could have been three. Most likely there weren't just three, but these wise men, look at what it says, and they bowed down And they, what's the next word? Worshiped him. Interesting. Nine times in the New Testament. Nine. Only nine times in the New Testament do you see people bowing at the feet of Jesus. Only nine. This was the first. And he's a child. But these guys, they knew something. They knew what they were witnessing and they bowed down. So you find it all throughout Jesus' ministry. Other times they bowed down. But it all started there in Bethlehem. And they opened their treasure chest, which represented their best. And it, listen, they carried these chests for a long, this is not like Ackworth to Cartersville. They come out along hundreds and hundreds of miles on this journey. And they gave him their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. They knew, they knew it wasn't going to turn out well. What did they know about joy? What did they know about God? What did they know about Jesus that you and I need to know? That's what we're going to talk about today. Would you pray with me? In your own words, would you tell God what you need from him today in regards to joy? Would you tell him, God, I'm willing, show me. Show me what I need to see. Show me what I need to know. Father, settle in this room. Speak to us. Teach us. God, show us. 
And Father, today we know that we will leave here in a few short minutes. God, my prayer is that we've met with you while we were here. So God, meet with us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you see it, find two or three people around you and say, I can't wait to see you at Christmas Eve. Do that real quick. Do that. Turn around. Well, if I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to Norster. We're so glad you're here today. I hope you have your note sheet out. I hope you got your app out. Probably the easiest way to follow along. Pretty cool. So every week, right, we do this on Sundays. Then on Monday mornings, I do a, I do a Bible study on Zoom. Uh, on Monday mornings, been doing it since 2017 before Zoom was cool. We've been doing this Bible study on Zoom. In 2017, we had about eight guys Last Monday, I think we had 72 college baseball coaches and pro baseball scouts on a Zoom call at the end of the time together. They get the exact message you get on Sundays. We do it via Bible study on Mondays. At the end of that time, this is pretty cool to celebrate, by the way. And so I said, if, if today you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus, but I want Jesus to live in my heart. I want you to go down to the chat area and just type Jesus. Last week, three college baseball coaches and pro baseball scouts gave their heart to Christ last Monday morning. Isn't that awesome? That was pretty cool. By the time we got off the call, a Hall of Fame coach in junior college ball had already contacted him and was already beginning to pour into him. But just awesome. So it made my Christmas. Just experiencing that made my Christmas because everybody's got to figure out who Jesus is to them, don't they? All right, is he just a story? Is it just a, a, a nativity scene in my front yard? Is it just a book we read our kids? Is it just presents we give? We've all got to figure this out. These wise men figured something out. Whether there's three, whether there's 20, they caused a disturbance. We know that. Them showing up in that town made King Herod very nervous. They didn't like they were there because they were on a mission. They were on a mission to meet someone who was more than just a baby that was born. It was a, a disruption to their lives. And they figured out something that you and I have got to figure out. And I'm telling you, behind it is an answer to joy. See, joy is not dependent on what goes on around us. Joy is an inside job, right? It's what goes on within us. So what do they figure out? First little blank right there on your outline today. They knew that they needed a new king to lead them. I need a new king to lead me. See, let, let's, let's play the scenario of what was going on at that time. A little Bible quiz now. The king during that period was a king named, does anybody remember? What was his name? Herod. Herod was a bad guy. Herod was a bad guy. Herod would not have been voted in office if it had been up to a democratic rule. Herod was a bad, bad person. Herod ruled by fear. Herod ruled with his own paranoia. In fact, it was said during that time in the writing of a historian, it was to be better to be Herod's sow pig than one of his sons. Herod murdered his wife because she thought she was conspiring against him. He murdered her mother and her brother and three of his kids. 
That was Herod. That gives you a little taste of who Herod was. Herod was a scary king, but he was the king. When the magi, when the wise men showed up and they said, we're here because there's a new king, he did not like that question at all. That thought, oh, you've shown up to see a new king? Excuse me? There's only one king and his name is Herod. And Herod, we know, ends up killing all the firstborns during that period, trying to make sure that he killed off this new king of the Jews. That was the way, that was the way he did it back then. And, and most likely, just based on the size of the region, it was probably 20 or 30 boys, little boys, lost their lives because of Herod's problem with power. But I heard Tim Keller, the great author and writer, he, he made a really interesting statement. And I'll quote him here again at the end, but... Uh, Keller said, there's a little bit of King Herod in all of us because we all like sitting on the throne of our lives. We all like being in charge. Would y'all agree? How many of y'all struggle with control, giving up control? Raise your hand. There's a piece of us. There's a little King Herod in all of us. We don't want anybody else calling the shots. We don't want anybody else making the moves. It's interesting. These guys brought gold. Gold was for royalty. Gold was for a king. The interesting gift to give a child. There were no rattler, rattlers. There were no baby toys. There were no clothes. They brought gold because they recognized he was a king. They figured out very quickly that he wasn't just another human occupying space. He was way bigger than that. He came for a different purpose and his kingdom was gonna be not of this world. You and I have got to figure out who is the king of our lives. So I, I don't know about you, but I like calling the shots for me because I know what's best. Are y'all that way? I mean, I, if God would just consult me, we could clear some things up because I, would, I just think I always know best. You learn how out of control you are when you teach your children to drive. How many of y'all have taken your life into your own hands and taught a child of yours to drive? Raise your hand. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I remember, I remember the first day my daughter left. We lived out in West Cobb in a little neighborhood called Wyndham Woods. There wasn't much traffic. We were on a little street, little cul-de-sac street. And I'm like, I'm going to let her drive to the end of the street. And we get to the end of the driveway and we go to the stop sign at the end of Wyndham Woods Trail where we lived at that time. We get to the stop sign. I said, I want you to take a right. And she takes her hands off the wheel and does this. And I said, baby, what are you doing? She said, I don't remember my right and left. I went, oh, dear Lord. All right, so give me, give me the wheel. Let me turn, let me turn. We don't like not being in control. And that's a small piece. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never find joy as long as you're in charge of your life. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how many things you've achieved in this world. Your life will do this. And you will ride the roller coaster of all the emotions of this world with no joy till you figure out who is the king of your heart. Who's the one that calls the shots? 
Who is the one that makes the decisions? Who is the one you trust? Do you just trust you? Or do you just trust your job or your 401k or whatever? And, and you learn all of this. Why do I trust in something I can lose? These guys, from the very beginning, they opened their treasure chest and the first gift they presented was gold, the sign of royalty. He is the king. But the second gift was interesting too. They brought frankincense, which represents I need a God, I want you to write this down, who loves me. It's interesting. Frankincense was an incense that was used in the, in the holy place to recognize and represent the presence of God. It was costly, it was beautiful smelling, and it, and it recognized the presence of the Lord. They recognize that this child was deity wrapped in humanity. They recognize that, and that frankincense represented its deity who is wrapped in humanity. Meaning, God loved us so much that he left heaven and he put skin on. How did they get that, Mike? I, I don't know. But they had great joy because they got it. What comes to your mind when you think of God, I want you to hear this. What comes to your mind when you think of God tells me a lot about where you come from as far as your vantage point of how he feels about you. You remember being in, in um, middle school or elementary school and you would pass the note to somebody, will you go with me? And you always gave them three options. Got to have three options, right? Yes, no, or thank you. You always need options because at least a maybe is a shot. No, you'll never speak to them again. But yes is what we're going for. I had a friend years ago. He sent it to a girl. You know what she circled? Or. She circled or, and he said, I remember getting the note back going, I have no idea what that means. All right, she circled or. But when I say, does God love you? Your answer to which of those he would check about you tells me about you. If you say, Mike, I know, yes, he loves me. It tells me where you're coming from, theologically. Listen. Scripture teaches he doesn't love us for the good that we do. He loves us because he loves us. He loves us even while we were yet still sinners. He knew what he was signing up for and loves us. Poor Ann, she was in the last service. I, October 26, 1991, we said I'd do it at an altar in Charleston, West Virginia, and we began a life together. She had no idea what she was getting into, right? She, she, we knew each other from college. We didn't know each other. We didn't live together or anything. We just moved, we got married and moved to Atlanta and life began. And, you know, there's times she wanted out of that deal because there was parts I had hidden really well while we were dating. I didn't want her to know. <laughs> he knows everything about us and loves us anyways. You check yes. 
Your vantage point of God is one thing. If you say, Mike, no, he doesn't love me. He's a cosmic killjoy. He is one who sits in heaven with this big ruler and he waits on me to do wrong. You will never have joy because your vantage of who God is is off. That's not the God of Scripture. The whole New Testament's about his rescue mission for you. But if you check, maybe, you're a performance-based God. Your God's a performance-based God. See, any coach, any athlete in this room, you struggle with this one. Because you believe God loves you really well when you succeed, and he benches you when you're bad. Or your performance is pure. And therefore, there will be no joy in, in your life either. Because you will never settle. He loves me because he loves me. Which is what Paul talks about. These gentlemen understood. They opened their treasure chest and they gave him the gift of frankincense. He put skin on and changed the fragrance of this world. Joy. I need a king. I need a God who loves me. All right, time out real quick. You know her part of this world? Nothing's guaranteed. Can we agree on that? Nothing. You know one thing I can guarantee you? He will never stop loving you. There is not enough bad you can do to make him stop loving you. Doesn't mean there's not consequences. It doesn't mean there's not separation. He loves you because he loves you. What you do with that love's up to you. But the story of Christmas is God put skin on, frankincense, the incense of the aroma that he is here. He is present. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Brings joy. I can lay my head on the pillow at night and know that he loves me. And here's the crazy part, guys. I was 23. I met Jesus when I was 14. I was 23 when I finally settled the issue. He loves me not based on how I do. I was a performer. See, in, in athletics, you perform, you play. You don't perform, you get benched or ultimately cut. And I associated that with how God felt about me. And it, it caused me not to have joy because I was like this. If my performance is good, I had my quiet time, I'm good. If I shared my faith, I'm good. But if I forgot to do those things or did something bad, I was down here. And I, and I lived like this for years, spiritually. I was saved, but I had no joy. Third blank. I need a substitute to die for me. I need somebody to die in my place. Those jokers came a long ways with a treasure chest. 
And they present Joseph and Mary and the child blocks of gold. Many scholars think that that gold funded Joseph and Mary's early travels as they ran from Herod's rule and even went to Egypt for a period before coming back and settling in Nazareth. They think that gold, it was God's provision for them. It's interesting. But then, I want you to get this. Take out your cartoon idea your nativity in the front yard. I want you to imagine that house. Joseph and Mary are teenagers. They're children. They know this birth is unlike anything because Mary was a virgin. Joseph stuck with her. The angel had told them what was to transpire? Now they're home with this little boy. And these guys show up unannounced, no heralding. They find the home by the star. They walk into this home and they bring gold and they bring frankincense. They brought myrrh. You read about myrrh one other time in the life of Jesus. In fact, it wasn't in the life of Jesus. It was the death of Jesus when they went to anoint the body with the spices. Myrrh was an embalming fluid. Interesting gift, isn't it? I remember like yesterday when we had our first. We went through all the classes at Kennestone at the time, at Building B at Kennestone, and Anne had our little boy. And we searched and searched for a good biblical name and landed on Casey. But anyways, I don't know how that happened, but anyways, we searched. I just quit searching somewhere. I remember it came time they sent us home. We were terrified to leave the hospital. It's like, what in the world are we going to do? I mean, I, I, I can't find my way out of most places I drive to. How in the world am I going to raise a child? And I remember securing that car seat in the back seat. For parents, you've done this. You secure that car seat in the back seat. And I drove like 10 miles an hour all the way from Marietta to Woodstock because I didn't want his head to roll. Thankfully, he was born with a, he, his head didn't move a lot. And so anyways, so he, he, was, he was secured. He was secured. And I love you, Casey. Right, he was secured in the seat and we drove and I just creeped home. And we got home and you, do you remember when they were little and you just stare at him? We just stare at him. And what's he going to do when he grows up? Is he going to be left-handed? I tried to tie his right arm behind his back and only use the left hand. It didn't work. Is he going to be a ball player? Is he going to be a business person? Is he going to be a minute? What's, what's he going to do? What do you think he's going to do when he grows up? All we talked about was what he could be. 
about this. All Joseph and Mary could talk about was what he was going to do. This child didn't come to climb on a throne. He came to climb on a cross. Let that settle in. This child was born to die. Everybody look at me. Lock eyes with me. For you. For you. At your worst. He gave his best. Would you close your eyes? Would you? These words were written by one of my favorite authors and pastors, Tim Keller. I I just can't make this better. Dr. Keller said, there's never been a gift offering that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means we are so lost so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than the death of the Son of God Himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a morally good life to accept the true Christmas gift. You have to admit you're a sinner you sit on the throne of your life. Mm. These guys had joy because they got it. Some of us, we've been posing, we've been faking, we've been going through the motions. But we had no idea child was born to die for us for me he put skin on Joseph and Mary sat and thought about that little boy there were tears and there were smiles because they knew he was born to die for them too his throne was going to Beam beams and nails. Maybe today, for the first time, the light bulb came on for you about Christmas. If you say today, Mike, I've never met that Jesus. I know about him, read all the stories, got a big old Bible, sits on my shelf but I don't know that Jesus. Would you do me a favor and do what the New Testament teaches? Would you just cry out to Jesus to save you? Would you? Would you say, Jesus, please save me and be the king of my heart? That prayer was prayed all through the book of Acts just like that. 
those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the quietness of this moment, you say, Mike, today, I made Jesus my king for the first time. Would you slip your hand up? You can slip it up and slip it right back down. Slip it up and slip it right back down. Amen. Slip it up and slip it right back down. Amen. If you're online, just write in the chat area, Jesus. Your chat, your host will give you what's next. Welcome home, friends. Joy is on the other side.